0: So I was initially going to be preaching from John 6, verse 30 to 59, still in development of that message, and so um, um, you can read the passage for this next week, though, read over John 6, verse 30 to 59, and that's what we'll be preaching on um, next week, Um, as long as I'm able to... Talk. Um, My wife is telling me I'm being too dramatic about getting my wisdom teeth pulled out tomorrow. And I'm I'm talking like I'm going to be down and in bed for two weeks and stuff. And I just make fun of her. I go, Well, it's just not fair. When you get sick, you just get the woman cold. And I usually would just get the man cold. And with the man cold, you can't do any work. But the woman cold, God gives grace, and you can keep working, keep doing dishes, keep doing laundry, um, even while you're sick. And so, God's giving you guys grace in that area. But um, this won't be a cold, or oh, this is surgery, so of course I act like I'm going to be out. But um, go ahead and turn to Psalm 26. Um, be in Psalm 26. Good to see Brother Al making it. Good God bless you, Brother. The light's on, right? Is it on? I better check, huh? Alright, it's on. Yeah, thankful for Brother Al building this pulpit a few years ago, and he usually makes sure I have the light on, amen. Um, Psalm 26. Let's go ahead and stand for the reading of God's word. It's not fifty verses or anything like that. But my understanding is that in the old testament they would Read through large portions. So, like, possibly the whole, like, all of Genesis standing up and maybe throughout the whole Torah. I don't know. But Psalm 26 says, Judge me, O Lord, for I have walked in mine integrity. I have trusted also in the Lord, therefore I shall not slide. Examine me, O Lord, and prove me. Try my reins and my hurt, in my heart. For thy loving kindness is before mine eyes, and I have walked in thy truth. I have not sat with vain persons, neither will I go in with dissemblers. I have hated the congregation of evildoers, and will not sit with the wicked. I will wash mine hands in innocency, so will I compass thine altar, O Lord, that I may publish with the voice of thanksgiving. And tell of all thy wondrous works. Lord, I have loved the habitation of thy house and the place where thine honor dwelleth. Gather not my soul with sinners, nor my life with bloody men, in whose hands is mischief, and their right hand is full of bribes. But as for me, I will walk in mine integrity, redeem me, and be merciful unto me. My foot standeth in an even place. In the congregations will I bless the Lord. Dear Heavenly Father, we just ask for your blessing upon your pure word this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. And so in the previous psalm, David actually writes about some confession of sin and just asking God to cleanse him of sin and I'm um, asking for God's mercy. And then in, in Psalm 26... He writes about being dedicated to the Lord. Being dedicated to the Lord, not conform um, to the things of the world, um, but to be dedicated to um, Jehovah God. And from this passage, I'd like to um, talk about um, traits of a fully devoted Christian. Who wants to be a devoted Christian. Anybody? We want to be devoted? Uh, I see hands everywhere. I think we all... I'm ought to want to be devoted to the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a church. We want to be devoted to the Word of God, devoted to prayer, um, devoted to the Lord, devoted to evangelism. There's different things to um, say we be devoted to as a church. And as a Christian, um, there are some traits that we're going to gather from this passage of a, to be a fully devoted Christian. In verse 2, we talk about it talks about the heart. Prove me, try my reins and my heart. In verse 3, we see the eyes are mentioned. In verse 6, the hands. And in verse 7, the voice. And in verse 12, the feet. Um, in other words, to be completely, fully dedicated to the Lord. In verse 1 to 2, um, we see a Christian ought to recognize. The Lord as judge. Judge me, O Lord, for I have walked in mine integrity. I have trusted also in the Lord. Therefore I shall not slide. Examine me, O Lord, and prove me. Try my reins and my heart. And so here we ought to recognize that the Lord, that Jesus, that Jehovah God is our judge that he is the one that we open ourselves to. You judge me, Lord. Examine me. Try my heart. He wants the Lord to prove him, to to test him, or to to reveal if there would be any wicked way um, in him. And here we see that David mentions that he walks in integrity, that he's morally upright, that he desires for God to examine him. Usually when we're not walking with the Lord, we don't really desire God to be looking at our life. We don't desire for God to be our judge. And that's why the skeptic, the atheist, um, continues to say no, um, God, that there is no God, is they do not want to recognize there is a judge that they will face one day and they will be judged. But David recognizes that only because of the mercy of God that he's able to grow in his own walk with the Lord. He's able to keep his integrity. It's a small matter with those who are sincere to be condemned by men. And you know, the Bible talks about the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. But the fear of man is a snare. That when we adjust what we do because we fear man, it often leads to the wrong decisions. Unless it's a healthy fear in respect as a child would fear his father in a a loving manner that he knows that if I do wrong, if I disobey, I'm going to be disciplined. That kind of fear would be healthy. You know, an an employee doing their job Because they have to give an account to an employer. That kind of fear is healthy. But when we don't make right choices, we don't do what is right, we don't lead our family in righteousness, because we fear what man is going to think. For example, say someone doesn't go to church because they're afraid their friends will mock them. That's where the fear of man is a snare. You know, if someone go, even, you know what, practically, secular life. Okay, you know what, you're thinking that, you know what, you, the Lord wants to uh, do some kind of business venture. But you don't do it because you fear what other people would think or you fear your own failure. And you're not going to be very successful because you began with fear um, fear of yourself, fear of man, fear of making mistakes. But the fear of God. Is the beginning of wisdom. When we recognize that He is the judge, and no matter what other people may think, or no matter how people may condemn us, say, there's a speech that you're needing to give in a university. There's some kind of essay, and you're needing to read it. And then you take things away that you had in there initially about God because you're in fear of what other people are going to think. That is a trap. That's going to keep us from going forward with the Lord. You know, if someone affairs God, it's a small matter with them who are sincere, uh, with those who are sincere in their walk with the Lord to be condemned by men. So it is also not much with them to be commended or approved by them. That we're not needing the praise or the accolades of the world. Um, and the Apostle speaks of he that commendeth himself, um, nor he that is commended by others is to prove by whom the Lord commendeth. Second 2 Corinthians 10.18, that we only want God's favor. That He is who we're seeking to please. Psalm 75, verse 5 says, Lift not up your horn on high, speak not with a stiff neck, for promotion come of neither from the east, nor from the west, nor from the south, but God is to judge. He put of down one, and set of up another. You know, in our jobs, it's good to work hard, to seek to do our best, but to also recognize that the power to gain wealth is, the Bible states, it comes from the Lord. That it is God that gives the promotion. It is God that will give a demotion in life. And so, you know, when we see other people promoted, we ought not to be envious. We not, ought not to be jealous of the success of others. But to rejoice. And to be like, you know what? Praise the Lord. You know what? God has lifted, lifted them up for a time is such as whatever it may be. And then if God allows us to be put down, demoted in our own eyes, so to speak, where maybe we fill out a commission, maybe our health isn't what it used to be, uh, uh, maybe it's just one difficulty after another at a job, or perhaps someone cheated us out of a job promotion by putting some blame on us that we didn't do. We ought not to fear and struggle over those things, but to trust that you know what God sees all things. God will promote as He sees fit. God will keep us from being promoted as He sees fit. To recognize is is a trait of a fully devoted Christian. It's going to recognize that God is the judge, and He is in control. That He is involved in the affairs of our daily life. When we're mistreated, wherever it may be. That didn't surprise God. And so you know what? Our trust is in God. You know what? God will work all things together for good. To them which are called of God, love love God. Um, God will take care of all those things. Job 28, 28. Uh, um, says, and unto man he said Behold the fear of the Lord That is wisdom And you depart from evil Is understanding Second Corinthians 7 1 says Having therefore these promises dearly beloved Let us cleanse ourselves From all filthiness of the flesh And the spirit Perfecting holiness In the fear of God And so when we fear God We're going to depart from evil. We're going to be like, you know what, there is a holy, holy, holy God that doesn't only see our actions, but He he sees our thoughts. He knows what we're thinking. And when we have a fear of the Lord, that we cast down those imaginations by the power of Jesus Christ, That's that's what we're going to do when we're fearing the Lord. That will cast down those imaginations when we recognize that God is judged. Verse 1 also talks about how I have trusted also in the Lord, therefore I shall not lie. You know a trait of a fully devoted Christian is one that has his trust completely in God. We shall not waver. Or slide when our trust is in Him. Go ahead and turn to James chapter 1. James 1. James 1 in verse 5. You know, when the Lord puts something before us or there's a decision we need to make, but we need to put that decision in the Lord and that we trust in Him, that we don't have the wisdom, we don't know what to do. We ask God to show us the way, but when God shows us the way, we ought not to doubt. We ought not to question. You know what? God leads you in the day, in the light. We don't need a doubt in the night. We're to trust in God. To give Him our full trust. When God tells us something directly in His Word, we're to follow it. We're to obey it. Even if we don't understand it. We're to trust in Him. And then when we pray for the leading of the Holy Spirit in our lives... We need to trust in that. Trust in Him. Psalm 27, Psalm 20, verse 7 says, some trust in chariots and some in horses. They know what they they go into battle. And in the military, in the soldiers, they would put their trust in how robust their horses were, how fast their horses were, and how powerful their chariots were. What we see is Israel, God taught Israel several times, one with Gideon, and saying that he kept reducing the amount of people that would go out to battle. To show them that their trust is not in to be in the arm of the flesh. It's not to be on the external, the outward. What people see is powerful and mighty. But we will remember the name of the Lord our God. You know, when David went out to battle with Goliath, he wasn't boasting in himself and thinking, oh yeah, just a little sling. This is going to wipe this guy out just because I am so good. No, everything was against him in that. Goliath, no doubt full armor. And think that this young boy, or older boy, whatever, but... Young, nevertheless, would be able to defeat a giant of the Philistines. You know what? His trust was not in him, but it was in the Lord his God. When people thought it was foolish for him to go out, to be willing to offer himself to go a battle with Goliath, that he said, Is there not a cause? Is there not a cause? Now when the enemies have risen against the Lord and His people, we're to trust in God, not in the flesh. And that's where when difficulties come your way, you know what? You cling to that trust. That trust in God. And it will help you get through those difficulties. In the midst of enemies, we're to trust God. Psalm 56, 11 says, In God have I put my trust. I will not be afraid what man can do unto me. And you think about all the Christian martyrs throughout history. They did not fear what man would do to them. Willem um, Tyndale and translating the Scriptures into the English language. And both the Roman Catholic Church and the Church of England oppose the Word of God being in the common language. Well, I'm um, in discussion with a um, priest that, or a clergyman that, that told him, you know what? That God, the Pope's laws are better than God's laws. That it would be better to be with the Pope's laws than God's laws. And then Willem Tyndale um, responded that I defied the Pope and all his laws. That if God will, that um, I will make it so that a plowboy will understand the Scripture more than thou dost. He did not do that. He did not translate the Scriptures into English because he feared man but because he did not fear man. He did not fear what his enemies could do to him, but he trusted in God. And as he was burned at the stake, he prayed, Lord, open the eyes of the king. We see martyrs throughout history. Trust in God even when their enemies surrounded them, putting them to death. Faith is going to trust that God will accomplish His promises in our life. You know, why should I still, when God has promised to supply my need? Even if He didn't, okay? Even if He didn't, you know, we still don't do wrong. But God has promised to supply for our needs. Why should we avenge for ourselves? When the Lord will take up our cause, when vengeance belongs to the Lord. It is much better for the Lord to handle your enemies than for us to do it on our own, than for us to take revenge. You know, be kind, be gracious toward those that do us wrong. There may be times where, you know, you gotta be firm, you gotta take a stand. But in that, do not lose the Spirit of Christ. Do not give in to the flesh, but trust that God will handle things. Faith has confidence in God and that He will help guard us from sin. That He with any temptation that comes our way has made a way of escape. The reason we don't escape sometimes is because we don't take God's escape that He gives us. Characteristics of those who trust God, one is those they accept suffering. If God wills or allows suffering to be in our life, that we trust God and we give glory to God. They're not fearful of death. They meet with God regularly. I have never heard of a person who had a deep, calm trust in the Lord who did not set time aside to be with the Lord. Listen for the Spirit to lead. Ask God to lead and listen for His Holy Spirit. Limit distractions in your life. Brother Andrew wrote a book called God Smuggler, or we're about Brother Andrew. And he, he, he said this, I won't even consider installing one of those call-waiting monstrosities that interrupt one phone conversation to announce another. Technology, Andrew says, and this is years ago, says makes us far too accessible to the demands and pressures of the moment. Our first priority should be listening in patience and silence for the voice of God. That be careful from the things in life. All the noise. And listen for God. Maybe pressure all around us. But we need to step aside and give time to God. And that's one of the great things about Bible camps, team camps. Is, you know, you get away from the things of the world and get, get in the Word of God through the preaching and fellowship with other believers that have a great walk with the Lord. You get away from the things of the world and go into where you could listen to God. Characteristic trait of a Christian back in Psalm 26, verse 3. For thy love and kindness is before mine eyes, and I have walked in thy truth. He obeys the word of God. She obeys the word of God. That he don't just read the word of God, just to read it through and not comprehend what it said, but to read it, to understand it, to comprehend it, and to obey it. Forget who it was. But there was someone that said, you know what? It's not the things in the Word of God that I don't understand that cause me to tremble. It's the things I do understand that cause me to tremble. To fear God. To obey Him. Jesus prayed to the Father, sanctify them through Thy truth. Thy Word is truth. Deuteronomy four, verse thirty nine. Go ahead and turn there. Deuteronomy four, verse thirty nine. It says, Know therefore this day, and consider it in thine heart, that the Lord, He is God in heaven above, and upon the earth beneath there is none else. He's God, He's Lord, He's Judge. Okay? Thou shalt keep therefore His statutes and His commandments, which I command thee this day. Okay? God's given His commands. Again, what the atheist does not want to acknowledge, he does not want to acknowledge that he is under another that is more powerful than him. But why does God give us these commandments? Is it so we just feel like, oh, everything's negative, we can't do this, we can't do that? No, read on. It says, I command thee this day that it may go well with thee, and with thy children after thee, that thou mayest prolong thy days upon the earth, which the Lord thy God giveth thee forever. That we obey God is for our benefit. Now we're to do it to glorify the Lord, but God gave His commandments for our own benefit. Thou shalt not commit adultery. That's for our benefit. That's for our family unit. Thou shalt not steal. Again, you know what? God doesn't desire for stuff to be stolen from you, and neither shall we steal from others. The commandments are given for our good. In first verse four to five of Psalm twenty six. She says, I have not sat with vain persons, neither will I go in with dissimbers, this mean hypocrites. I have hated the congregation of evildoers and will not sit with the wicked. Now we see that there is a separation from the enemies of God. That are not helping the enemies of God to continue to do things against the work of God. One said this, "...not only the profane, but the vain are to be shunned by us. All those who live for this life only are vain, chaffy, frothy men, quite unworthy of a Christian's friendship. Moreover, as this vanity is often allied with falsehood, it is well to save ourselves altogether from this untoward generation, lest we should be led from bad to worse." and from tolerating the vain, should come to admire the wicked. And here the psalmist says, I have hated the congregation of evildoers. A severe sentence nevertheless, but it's not too severe when we consider what's going on. A man who does not hate evil terribly does not love good with all his heart. Men is men, we must always love, for they're our neighbors, they're our, friend, our family. And therefore to be loved is ourselves, but evildoers their deeds, and as such are traitors to the Lord. And no loyal subject can love traitors. What God hates, we must hate. The company of the wicked is defiling. If you mingle a bright armor with rust, The bright armor does not make the rust all polished up and good. No, the rust contaminates the brightness of the armor. And then there's the hypocrite. There's the one that maybe claims the name of Jesus, but lives for the world, lives for the flesh, lives for the devil. The hypocrite on the outside may appear as an angel, but there's more devil within. In verse 6, it says, I will wash mine hands in innocency, so will I compass thine altar, O Lord. He worships God in holiness. He strives to be holy, for his Father is holy comes as a pure vessel in holiness to come and worship before the altar of God. Priests unto God took great care to be personally cleansed. The brazen labor in the tabernacle, what is needful, is the golden altar. God's worship, worship of God requires us to be holy. Lest we be as the ones where Jesus said that your words draw nigh unto me. You draw nigh unto me with thy mouth, but your heart is far from me. May that not be said of us. James 4.8 says, Draw nigh unto God, and he will draw nigh unto you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Psalm twenty nine two says, Give unto the Lord the glory due unto his name. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Psalm ninety six nine. O oh, worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness, fared before him all the earth. To worship the god worship our God with our holy life. Verse seven says, that I may publish with the voice of thanksgiving and tell of all thy wondrous works. Rather than just giving thanks, a Christian lives out thanksgiving with his life. It's in him. He's a thankful person. It's not just words. It's who he is. In verse 8 we see that one dedicated to the Lord loves the house of God. Says, Lord, I have loved the habitation of thy house and the place where thy honor dwelleth. In verse 12, my foot standeth in an even place in the congregations will I bless the Lord. One preacher mentioned that in their congregation that they had an aged woman who for many years had become deaf, that she no longer could distinguish the loudest of sounds, Try to scare her from behind. She would not hear unless she actually felt some vibration. They did not have sign language in the church on a regular basis. And the preacher mentioned of her that she's always the first one in church. When someone was able to sign and ask her to reason, she was so constantly in church when she could not hear, she could not see. She did not know the messages that were being preached. She did not understand the prayers that were being said. She sang back and said, Though I cannot hear you, I come to God's house because I love it and would be found in his ways. And he gives me many a sweet thought upon the text when it is pointed out to me. That we're in the Bible's pointed. She rejoices where what she's reading. Another reason is because there I am in the best company, it is the more immediate presence of God and among his saints the Honorable of the Earth. I am not satisfied with serving God in private. It is my duty and privilege to honor Him regularly in public. Someone that got so much in church, though she could not hear. Dedicated Christian loves to be in the house of God. That is a priority that it's not an afterthought. That it's not, oh, if we have time after all our sports, all our events, then maybe we'll make it a church. No, the church house. Being in the sanctuary of God is a priority. In verses 9 to 11, we see that he could not be bribed, he could not be sold it's in 1 Samuel 8, 3, says, And his sons walked not in his ways, but turned aside after lucre, and took bribes and perverted judgment. That's not what we're to do. We're to be as David, who would not take any types of bribes. He resists the temptations of the devil. He is steadfast and faithful, that is dedicated to the Lord. Mara Runyon gave her all to qualify for the Olympic Games in 1996, but her best time finished short of the mark to make the United States team. But instead of being focused on her failure, she returned in 2000 and made the team for the Sydney Olympics. Her eighth-place finish in the 1,500-meter race was the best finish ever for a United States woman runner. The thing that makes her accomplishments even more remarkable is that she was legally blind. She is the first legally blind athlete to ever qualify for and compete in the Olympic Games. After her Olympic career was over, she switched to running marathons and in 2002 posted the second fastest uh, marathon time ever by an American woman. She could only see shapes and blurs. But she says that her lack of vision is actually an asset. She just focuses on the finish line in front of her rather than looking around to see what the other runners are doing. Not having visual distractions helps her compete and win races, she says. The same thing that could be said in our lives There will always be things that try to pull us away. Things that will distract us. And it's not always bad things. Oftentimes there's good things out there that will distract us as individuals from the things of the Lord. Sometimes there could be many good things, even in the church, that could distract us from the main things that a church needs to be doing. Following the Great Commission glorifying Christ, praying, reading, and preaching the Word. It's great to have fun. It's great to have good times. It's good to have fellowship. That's biblical. But we don't want those things to distract us from the main things that the church is to be. There's a lot of good causes that many things that could help us, even in eternal causes. It could be a great thing that missionary helps build a well for the, for the needy where there's not much water. That's a great thing. And then use that to then teach about Jesus being the living water. It's in vain if all we do is give them water to fill their thirst that they'll be thirsty again. But Let us do both. Let's do both. Let's help with the well, so to speak. But let's point them to Jesus. You know, James talks about how our, our relationship basically in vain. That when, when, when we're the type that we see a brother or sister in cold or in need, and we just say, I hope God blesses you. It's in vain. No, we're to put works to our action, works to our faith, and help those in need. You know, many times it will be good things, but we must be willing to set them aside and stay focused on what is most important. Hebrews 12 1 says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the offer and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. That is, Christians, there's times, you know what we want? We always want to set aside the sin, but there's times to set aside the weights that distract us from running the Christian race. Verse 12, we see he seeks to please God. Um, Ms. Pearl, if you could go ahead and please come in, play a song for a time of invitation. But we see a dedicated Christian. It's one that seeks to please God. And that in verse 12, that he says, I will bless the Lord. Philippians 2, verse 19 says, But I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Tim- Timothy shortly unto you. That I also may be of good comfort when I know your state. For I have no man like minded who will naturally care for your state. For all seek your own, not the things which are Jesus Christ. But Harry he saw a man, Timothy. He sought to please the Lord. Let's go ahead and stand during a song of invitation. Let's piano. I challenge you to strive for this year to be a year. That you're fully dedicated to the Lord. That you want to be complete. Dedicated to Him fully. To recognize God as judge. To trust in Him. Trust in Him even in the midst of your enemies. Even in hardships. And to determine you're going to obey the Word of God. To be separate from sin. To worship God in holiness. And to seek to please God. I'm just go to spend some time in prayer. Just fully dedicating yourself to the Lord. Use the Lord's sign. All right. this morning, uh, Ellen Nicole and family see Maddie, Joey, Lily, Rogan, and then Ivy's in the nursery. Um, they're one to um, present themselves for um, church membership and um, join our church and what a blessing um, that is you know we've been praying you know a few months ago I told my wife that you know I, I know we need to train people from within. I was like Lord, I need some help. Could you send someone from out of state? Didn't want someone local from a church, just a church split or someone leaving church. But could you send somebody from out of state, from an independent Baptist church to come be a help, um, to come serve, to co-labor with? And then God's led your family here. And um, that's something we've been praying, um, praying in our prayer meeting as well before you were here. And, uh, you know, the Bible says the laborers are few, but, you know, many are called. And so um, I'm excited. And I talked to um, um, their pastor back home yesterday, and I had a great talk with um, him. And, of course, they were sad to see him go. Um, They don't want to see him leaving. Uh, um, They love him. He said that there will be nothing but a blessing um, to the church family and just kind of went on and on and on. I asked um, several questions and everything, and he just went on and on about how wonderful they are. You would think that they're like um, Joseph and Daniel, whom we don't know any of their faults and stuff, and and so on. Uh, um, Do you want to give a word of testimony or anything sure. about Lordly? Sure.
1: Well, I mean, uh, for myself, um, testimony-wise, I, I didn't grow up in a Christian home. Um, there's nobody in my family who's saved. My mom and my dad um, are, are definitely not saved. They're far from the Lord. And, um, you know, they kind of took the the stance of, we'll kind of let you figure it out for yourself, is what they used to always tell me. Uh, we want to let you decide for yourself. Um, joined the military. And uh, in Nicole, uh, my wife, she had grown up Lutheran. So she always had the, the thought process that she kind of wanted to get back. Um, into going to church, just the, the literal act of coming in and putting your hiney in a seat um, seemed like it was something that she um, wanted to get back into, right? Um, so when, when we got in the military, we came back, we actually moved um, not far from an independent fundamental Baptist church, our home church, Heritage Baptist Church, well, not our home church anymore, but our church back home. And Nicole started going a few times and had talked to them about joining, um, but she was not scripturally baptized. Um, She was sprinkled as a baby. So she had been going back and forth a few times, sorry. She had gone back and forth a few times. And um, one Sunday I went with Nicole to church. And I always think back on that, that that was just Lord's grace, um, being able to call me as an unbeliever. If you would ask me 9.9 times out of 10, Alan, do you want to go to church today? I would have said, absolutely not, right? And, but Nicole just happened to say, hey, I'm going to church today. I said, you know what? I'll come with you, right? Just like it was something flippant to do. Sat basically in the same row we sit in here, um, second row, and, and sat there and listened to Pastor preach uh, a salvation message on a Sunday morning, and I felt the Lord's draw to me. But I was too afraid to come forward during the invitation, because I didn't really know anybody, and I had never really been to church before in my entire life, so I was very nervous to come forward during the invitation. But again, as Lord directs your path, Nicole had been coming several times before and had been talking to Pastor about joining, so at the end of the service, she went into his office to talk to him about joining again, and he started leading her through um salvation and needing to get scripturally baptized and and why that's important and what that symbolizes and as i sat in there and listened to that i just couldn't take it anymore and i said i think i want to do that and and uh, so i was saved that morning at heritage baptist church in roscoe illinois nicole was saved not long after and uh, we were scripturally baptized together and then as we've had children I mean, we already had Madeline. She was pregnant with Joy at the time, and as we've had more children, I've I've been blessed to be able to see the Lord work in my family, and uh, everyone, all the kids in my family have been saved, um, except for Ivy, who is still small and ignorant to those things. But uh, she's doing her votions every day, as she says. Um, so hopefully, the Lord will be able to work in her heart as well. So. Um, thank you guys so much for being warm to, to me as I was here by myself before my family came and thank you for being very accepting of, of my family as we've been here as well we look forward to serving alongside and coming alongside you guys
0: Amen um, when I was talking to the pastor too I, he, he was um, the, he served as the assistant pastor and youth pastor um, at the church there and did, they did both did a lot with the vacation bible schools and everything too and And then they were praying, they were seeking the Lord on a church plant, um, planting a church nearby there too, but the Lord closed those doors. And and the pastor said, of course, first, you know what, disappointing, but you know what, God's will, you know what, triumphs our own will. And um, um, they didn't understand it, and I told him, I go, you may not like me for this, but I know why. It's because I've been praying, I've been praying for the Lord to send somebody from out of state from Independent Baptist Church that moves here. We're not a military town. It's not like we're always getting this influx. And then um, he seemed to kind of tear up a little bit and to rejoice at the same time. And so um, all in favor of receiving him in a church membership, say a hearty amen. 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 Any opposed? All right. I didn't think so. If you um, go ahead and go out to the foyer and be ready for um, people to agree you, and you guys give them the right hand of fellowship. Boy, this is going to be an exciting year for our church